I'm in the Department of Primary Care Health Sciences at the University of Oxford and sitting alongside me is Susan Jebb in her office. And uh, yeah, Susan is chair of the UK's Food Network Responsibility Deal. Um, by way of a start, can you tell me a little bit about what this is, when it was formed, what's your role as the chair? So the responsibility deal was set up by the previous coalition government uh, in 2010-11 and it was really about trying to bring together industry, the public health community and policymakers in a sort of collective arrangement to improve public health. So there are four networks, food, physical activity, alcohol and health at work. Um, And I've been chairing the food network. Um, The networks operate to some extent independently, but they're all part of that same core philosophy that there is a a role for business in improving public health. If you like, public health is everybody's business. Okay, very good. Can you tell us a little bit more about who's involved in the, the, the food network responsibility deal? So the Food Network is a a very broad collection of people, really. We try to be inclusive rather than exclusive. But on the business side, we've got a mix of uh, most of the major retailers, a lot of the food manufacturers, and a selection of the, if you like, out-of-home food companies. Would they be happy happy with naming any names? Oh, yeah. We are, yeah. So so people like um, Asda, Tesco, Sainsbury's, um, all the big retailers. Okay. Um, from the manufacturers, people, you know, big names like um, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Unilever, um, uh, Mondelez. Most of the, the big companies are okay. in there. On, in the out-of-home sector, it's a little bit more patchy. It's a very fragmented uh, mm. sector. I think the contract caterers who are doing lots of workplace catering have been very, very supportive. Um, and on the high street, the many of the fast food chains and the, and the big brand coffee shops have been involved. But what we have struggled to do, and this is partly just scale and resources, is really deal with many of the independent food chains mm. which operate. And whilst those, of course, are not impacting on the nation's diet, Mm. for some communities and for some individuals, those individual businesses are clearly very, very important. And Mm. one of the challenges is how do you implement this national level initiative also at a very, very local level? Mm, I can see there's a lot of of complexities involved. Um, What kinds of work does the Food Network Responsibility deal? I mean, can you tell us a little bit about about the sort of nitty-gritty of the the work? What we try to do is to bring people together to really discuss where we can make progress and where we can make a difference. Mm. So one of my, um, uh, I guess, sayings has been, there's no point in us getting together to talk about the things we can't do. Um, If we're going to get together, let's talk about what we can do Mm. and things that perhaps we can do better together. That might be together in the sense that for industry, making collective action is easier. If a group of companies all make a similar change at the same time, that can sometimes make it easier. Sometimes if one company goes first, they actually suffer a a penalty for for doing that. Mm. So it may be collective action in marshalling business together. It may be collective in terms of bringing public health and 
the private sector together. Okay. So, for example, where we were trying to make reductions in portion size, mm. it's incredibly important that the public health community make the case to the public of the importance of constraining portions. Otherwise, it's far too easy for uh, the public to feel like they're being they're being cheated out of mm. uh, you know an extra bit of chocolate or a few crisps in, in the bag. Now. If I'm absolutely honest, I don't think we have got that dynamic of a supportive relationship between public health and the private sector working as well as I might have hoped it would. It's mm. clearly a very, very tricky relationship. Um, but nonetheless, I think it has developed a, a little bit of mutual understanding about some of the challenge and some of the complexities mm. in making these changes. But hugely important in having joined up collective action on these things it, and, 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 and there being a common understanding of, of why these actions need to be taken. That's right. I mean, a good example is the work we've done on on labeling front of pack labeling and you know i'm very proud of the fact that the uk now has a reasonably consistent form of front of pack labeling um, which large swathes of the food industry have signed up to that makes it easier for business it's also much much better for consumers um, too and that's certainly been, been one thing we've done within the deal we've also promoted um, calorie labeling on menus in the out of home sector um, and we've got uh, around 70% of high street uh, uh, quick serve restaurants and coffee shops who've now got calorie labelling on their menus. That's really important in giving customers the chance to make an informed choice. Mm. You can't choose lower calorie options if you don't know how many calories are in the food you're purchasing. Mm, absolutely. And that can be a really uh, complicated thing when there's so much uh, <coughs> competition <coughs> vying for your attention in the, in the shops. Um, calorie labelling clearly has a direct bearing on obesity. Are there other food-related pledges that you see as having a direct bearing on obesity? For sure. So probably the main piece of work that we've done within the Food Network has been to encourage companies to reformulate their products, so to take action directly on their product. This is really important because in a way only business can do that. They, they have direct responsibility for what they're putting on the shelves. And so we've been asking them to um, continue to cut salt. That's work which precedes the responsibility deal, but which we've continued to urge them to do. But we've also now asked them to make cuts in the calorie content of products that might be by reducing fat or reducing sugar. Mm. And we've asked them to cut the saturated fat content, too. That's obviously going to reduce the, sure. the risk of heart disease. Now, in some cases, that reformulation is happening. Other companies, though, have said, actually, the best way to cut fat or sugar or calories is actually to reduce the portion size of the product. And so there are a number of uh, good examples where we're seeing better portion control coming in. Um, uh, the three big chocolate manufacturers uh, in the UK, uh, mm. Nestle, Mondelez and um, uh, Mars, have all committed that their single serve bars of confectionery will not contain more than 250 calories. Again, I think that's a really important collective stance, which um, has, has taken off, mm. you know, 10, 20, 30 calories off, uh, off bars of chocolate. Okay, that's, that's an incredible saving. And so is the issue then, if I have to make it simplify it, it's, it's reformulation or portion size. That's the kind of first kind of pivot that corporations um, debate. And then secondly, 
you know, are there particular problems with reformulation? Because it might seem simple to take out some fat out of a food, some saturated fat or some sugar or whatever, but presumably reformulation has got its own technical issues. There are clearly lots of lots of technical issues and um, companies have been working quite hard to resolve those. Um, but you know we're making we're making steady progress on yeah. on reformulation. Um, and if you look in any particular food category now, what you see is quite a range of uh, nutrient content in apparently quite similar products. So some companies have clearly done much better than okay. others in their reformulation efforts. And that's a good example of how all of these initiatives in the end come together. Because if you have got products which are quite different nutritionally, it's really important that we have clear labelling so consumers can then make the healthier choice. So at the end of the day, I want the rest to be as good as the best, but in the meantime, I want consumers to be able mm. to identify the best for themselves. Sure, absolutely. This might, sorry, go on. There's, there's a third area which um, is also important to mention, and one I have to say where we have made less progress, um, mm. but I think it's important to record that because in a way it perhaps shows the limits of what one can achieve in this voluntary scheme. And that's been around promotions. Mm. Because what we purchase in the shops is strongly influenced by the promotional environment, mm-hmm. uh, by the marketing and so forth. Buy one, that get goes one on. free kind yeah, of thing. Special offers, but, but marketing more generally, loyalty mm. card points, being offered chocolate at the checkouts. There's a whole raft of initiatives. Mm. And we have uh, worked hard to try to encourage companies to consider how they could shift their promotional strategies to better support healthier choices. There have been a couple of important steps forward. Some of the retailers have committed, for example, to taking sweets off the checkout. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a, a Subway, the sandwich uh, shop, has uh, started using giving people extra if, like loyalty card points if they choose the low-fat sandwiches. But I have to say those are relatively isolated examples Mm. in the in the you know the morass of promotional activity that's Mm. going out there. And I've come to the conclusion that promotions are such a critical part of the business strategy. They are so commercially sensitive that this is one area where it's actually very difficult to make progress on a voluntary Mm. basis. You mentioned commercial sensitivity. Um, It's never clear to me, and I'm sure it's not clear to to so many people, do the companies talk to each other in in formulating pledges or is each company coming forward with its own particular way? There are collective discussions initially in terms of trying to frame the pledge, in terms of discussing what the possible options might be. But ultimately, companies have to, at a board level, make a decision about what they are going to do and what they are going to commit to, because they are responsible for their actions. And one of the things which has been a feature of the responsibility deal is our efforts to uh, make the process transparent. So we're very clear what we're trying to do. We're clear what the ask is. But then companies have to um, uh, produce uh, a, a, a commitment that yeah. they will do this. And every year they have to produce a delivery report of what they have done. Mm. And that's carefully designed because companies don't necessarily want to reveal exactly what they're going to do up front. 
yeah. because they may be seeking to, to, to make some commercial advantage out of that. So we felt that if they make a public commitment to an area of work, that was that was a statement of intent. And then they would follow up a year later and tell us what they had achieved. And whilst I accept it's not the easiest system in the world to navigate, mm. the fact is they do have to make that public written declaration, yeah. which means that academics, the media, the public, if you like, can go onto the website and have a look at what individual companies sure. have done. That's splendid. So I mean, there's an <clears throat> awful lot of activity and, and progress being made. Um, are there similar approaches being taken in other countries? There's a lot of talk about <clears throat> developing uh, voluntary agreements with industry, or some people talk of public-private partnerships, and there, there are isolated examples of that mm. happening. But I think that the UK is unusual in having a system which we have set up so overtly and so clearly as being the system, the mechanism by which we will try to secure these voluntary agreements. So I think we have without doubt got a much clearer and a much mm. more formal process um, for doing that. So you see, see the UK as being a leader in this, the leader, if you will, in this? I do think we are leading the world, probably, in terms of, of voluntary agreements with industry. The pace of change is 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 slower than I would like. I'm, I'm an impatient kind of person. <laughs> but nonetheless, I struggle to find any examples around the world of people who are achieving more or doing mm. it more quickly. Mm. And so I think one has to take some pride in, in, in what UK businesses, and it predominantly is businesses mm. have achieved over the last few years. What would help us enormously is if there was a stronger commitment to action internationally. Because at the end of the day, the UK is a pretty small country. Mm. Uh, we're a small part of the market for many of these global businesses. And if they were under similar pressure in other countries as mm. well, I think we would see the pace of change mm. um, uh, picking up. Okay. Could I just follow up on that and ask, is the, is the European Union thinking in these terms or...? Well, as you know, there's been the EU platform on diet and physical activity for some time. Mm. I am not persuaded that we've seen many tangible actions coming out of that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm disappointed that, that the EU is not showing greater leadership on this. Mm. Um, we're also in a position which I, which I very much regret which is that uh, we're getting quite a lot of pushback in Europe to our front-of-pack labelling scheme. Um, and, you know, having worked so hard to bring UK businesses together um, to do this in the interests of, of consumer um, information, uh, I find it very, very disappointing that the um, EU should be challenging mm. that action. Okay. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of work has been done. There's obviously a lot of work still to be done. How do you see the, the policy engagement with industry developing into the future? Um, interesting times. We've obviously got a, a, a new government now and we wait to see how they wish to play this uh, this agenda. It seems very likely to me that we will continue to have a um, policy which encourages business to make this kind of commitments. It's all well and good to, to think that we should mandate to you know have healthier food. But truth be told, it's quite difficult to write that legislation. What What is the legislation which is going to control what people put into their mouths? Mm. Um, 
Clearly, there is scope for policy action, but I think in terms of changing the nature of products, then we will probably make more progress if business does that for themselves and if they find ways of doing that which are also commercially successful. So I think voluntary agreements with industry will continue to be a feature, though precisely what the the mechanism or the structures which enable that might be, we wait to see. As you know, the government are promising a new childhood obesity strategy in the autumn. And I think that will perhaps be uh, the chance to see how they envisage business playing its part in in helping us to um, improve the the lives and particularly the weight of of our children. Susan Jebb, thank you very much. Thank you.